Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My guest today is Adrian Bain. Before we get to Adrian, I do have some announcements. Please go to our website as TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can find stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You can find links to our guests' social media. You can see photos of them. You can see links to our social media, and that is, of course, Instagram. We're at Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. Our Facebook page, there's a link there. There's a link to YouTube. There's a link to Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can subscribe for free. And while you're subscribing, I ask you to please, please give us a good rating because that helps people find the show because it boosts our presence there. And that's a cool thing for you to do. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, I'm going to pull back the podcast curtain a little bit here. I am recording this on October 10th which I know was a while ago from when this is recording. I'm recording it so early that I don't even know exactly the date that this will come out because uh, I have a bunch of episodes banked because I've been home for almost three months at this point. Well, about two and a half months now, but it will be three. So I've had a chance to bank a lot of episodes before getting back on the ships in mid-November. So not only did I do a lot of face-to-face interviews, which I love to do, I also did a lot of Skype and FaceTime audio interviews. But Adrienne Bain contacted me. She wrote me. She said she was a fan of the show, which I love to hear, and that she listens regularly, which I think is uh, awesome. So she contacted me, and then I said, you know what? You'd be great as a guest. And uh, she was. She, she tells stories. That's her thing. She meets people around the world and talks to them. And so she created her own show. And she utilizes uh, sound effects and music and uh, atmosphere. And she's a storyteller at heart. And you'll be able to tell that just from her interview here. It was a pleasure for me to talk to her. And hopefully I'll get to meet her face to face one day. But until then, please enjoy my conversation with Adrian Bain. Adrian Bay, you are in uh, Manhattan right now, and you have a blog. Tell us about your, well, is it a blog or uh, is it just a podcast or a blog as well? Tell people what you do and your sites. So I have a narrative travel podcast called Strangers Abroad. It is a series of conversations I had with strangers that I met while I was backpacking from Mexico to Peru, and it has since expanded and into a blog as well. So it's a travel blog and podcast. Now, what is a nice gal from upstate New York? What makes her want to do a travel podcast? And how, how long have you been traveling? So when I graduated college, I traveled for the better part of five years. Five and... years? Wait a minute. Back up here. Five years. <laughs> 
So where did you go to school? I went to school at SUNY Purchase, which is right in Westchester, New York. Oh, right. Okay. And I booked a one-way ticket to Paris and backpacked in, once I graduated college and I backpacked and traveled around for the better part of, it was about seven months. And I hit about 19 countries in that, but I don't want to be a country counter. I want to, I had very nice experiences there. And then I moved West Coast. I did AmeriCorps for about a year. And then I backpacked throughout Latin America after that. And in Latin America is where I have the travel podcast. Okay. So let's back it up to AmeriCorps. Now, for people who don't know what that is, that's kind of like uh, kind of like the Peace Corps, though. But it's only in America? Is that... Exactly. Basically? Okay. What did exactly. you do for them? So I was in each... I'm like, wow, I haven't thought about this part of my life in a very long time. <laughs> well, I haven't talked to too many people who've done it. Yeah, it was it was cool. I did it because I wanted while I was backpacking throughout Europe, I was doing a lot of volunteer work, but they were always in these incredibly beautiful places. And I remember standing on this mountaintop in the south of Turkey with this just incredible view of this mountain range and really recognizing how lucky I was to see it. And I kind of promised myself that when I was done, I wanted to give back somehow. I wanted to see the other side of things of when life isn't as beautiful. And so I moved to Portland, Oregon, because the Portlandia propaganda really got me. And <laughs> where young people go to retire. Where young people go, ooh, I'm it's I have feelings about Portland. But <laughs> oh yes. everybody does. Oh, I, I everybody like does. I like it. So I like it. It's just so it's not ambitious, which is why I'm in New York City where we self asphyxiate ourselves on our of ambition. Course. No, it's overly ambitious. It's overly ambitious. I'm like, where's the middle? Where's the common ground? So in AmeriCorps, I was in I was working in HIV Day Center and I was their community director and sorry, yeah, community and activities director. So Oliver, it was not a sleepover place people could just come to get basic amenities and i would basically just entertain them between meals and even then i didn't realize that my life was to be an entertainer i was in weird denial of myself and yeah it was but it was interesting so all of these individuals were hiv positive and i was still able to find so much beauty in their lives and their stories and the things that they were going through. So yeah, it was it was the hardest year of my life, wow. like no question about it. But it must because have felt pretty rewarding though. It did. I don't think I was emotionally mature enough to handle what was going around me. I think I did fine, and I think I did the best that I could. But I think now, as someone who's older. I would have handled certain things differently. Just my own. Yeah, I think I would have. I think at that point in my life, I still had this itch to explore. And it, it was just, I don't know. It was a lot. That's and, all I can say, I guess. 
And well, and then from Portland, you went right back to New York or did you take a side trip? So no, I went right to, I lived in Portland for a little bit longer after the AmeriCorps program. And then I, and then winter, what was it? 2000? How old am I? I don't know. You're asking 2015? me? 2015. <laughs> well, winter in Portland is not, uh, that's not oh, the time not. you want to be there. No, 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 no. But, well, it's not a real winter if you're talking to a New Yorker. It's, it's just gray and depressing. I'm from <laughs> Chicago, believe me. Exactly. Oh, I, I know then I can't even complain. No. My first, my first winter in New York, I was like, this is nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. So, but I just, I'm not a winter person to begin with. So, yeah. So, from Portland, I pretty much booked a one-way ticket to Mexico and hung out for five months. Five months. Throughout Wait. Latin America. Okay. Where, uh, give me some of the highlights of that and how were your, uh, Spanish skills and did you get by, did you work at all or were you just like a vagabond? Oh, I, uh, all of the above. <laughs> and I, so I would volunteer as I was traveling. So my goal, so at the time when I was done with AmeriCorps, I thought I wanted to be a baker and I thought I wanted to be a chocolatier sure. and as one does. That's very Port- what- that's very Portland, by the way. I know. I'm a. I know the cliche that I am of myself. And then I'm gonna have an artisanal so- cheese shop, and then- exactly right. Okay. Then macrame, no, exactly. maybe a little uh, macrame. <laughs> sell crystals, perhaps. Yep, crystal infused chocolates. Of course. Um. So yeah, so I wanted to be a chocolatier, and I thought there's no better place than to go to the origins. So I. Traveled around and worked. My goal was to work at this one chocolate shop in Peru, which I did end up working for. So I hopscotched my way throughout Mexico and Central America. And I lived and volunteered in different places. So not only did I have time to just unwind and put my stuff down and know that my bag wasn't going to get, you know, you're living with the people that you're volunteering with. So it was nice to know that my bag wouldn't get stepped on by some, I don't know, European in a Costa Rican hostel, you know, like in the middle of the night. Like I knew that my stuff would just be in one spot, which is a luxury when you're traveling. Sure. So I would volunteer and then I would travel in between volunteer places. And it allowed me to save money, but it really just allowed me to immerse myself and get to know a town and get to know the characters of that town and what little idiosyncrasies it held. And it was, that's how I will probably always prefer to travel as I've, I know this sounds awful, but I've kind of ruined myself for when people are, are like, Oh, we're just gonna, you know, go to New Orleans. We're going to go to the Dominican Republic for four days. I'm like, what are you going to do in four days? You can do anything in four days. You, what do you mean? You're not going to live there, you know? So, so I've definitely spoiled myself. So yeah. So I would volunteer and would travel in between. And I now speak, um, Spanish mainly oh, because taxi cab drivers are wonderful teachers because mm-hmm. they don't speak English. So you gotta you gotta force it. You know, you gotta really force yourself. And I love speaking other languages too. So Wow. So okay. So 
you were down there for, you said five months? Yes. Okay. So you come back and then it's New York again. And then it's New York and I've been location dependent ever since. Okay. And the podcast, um, actually kind of like, I know you said, well, everybody's got a podcast nowadays, but I mean, what was your angle going into it? What did you want to do differently? Right. Well, like I, I had a performance background that I dropped once I went to college and I took a more intellectual route, but up until that point, I I think I really denied this need for me to be performative still. <laughs> so I found that the podcast was this lovely, happy medium because I could be myself. I could tell my own stories, but, and I didn't have to pretend to be somebody else. It was something I was not interested in with, with acting. And yeah, so I just knew that my first season was an experiment but it's just, it's my medium. I just feel like I'm my whole self when I'm podcasting. And I've never had, an, an or just storytelling in general, because now I do a lot of live storytelling and oh, comedic right. storytelling. So when I'm a storyteller, I'm just, I'm my best self. And that's just kind of what fueled it. It And it was just much more of an experiment that I haven't stopped playing with. And yeah, that's well, kind of, I wasn't expecting anything huge from it. But now I'm like, hey, this would be cool if I didn't have to juggle a real job and, and this, you know, so. Well, yeah. have you been, how many episodes are you into now? How many as of this recording? So my first season is 26 episodes. Okay. And including, you know, an intro, an outro, and I think there's one that's completely narrative. The rest of them are all interview-based with my own story sandwiched in between. But currently I'm working on my second season, which looks like it'll average to be about somewhere between 13 to 16 episodes. And those are going to be thematic. And... The season itself has a story arc and each episode is going to be a stage that you experience when you travel. So we're going to talk about identity and who you are when you are in a completely new environment and how people perceive you. We're going to talk about being lost, either emotionally or physically lost, just stories about that. Way the pros and cons of traveling alone versus traveling together and all the adventures and mundane moments in between. And then the last episode will be about home and how home feels so strange after a long journey. And sometimes it's what you need and sometimes you need to keep going. So that's what – so I'm kind of shaking things up for my second season. Okay. Yeah, I heard a couple episodes. I mean, you you try to make it more of like a, I'm trying to think of it's like a performance in terms of you have music involved within it, and then there's narration, and then you have your guest. Um, did you want to make it? I don't know. I, I guess it's more of a a theatrical thing, almost in a way, almost like a radio play. Yeah. Okay. It just kind of happened organically because. 
I had all of the recordings from when I was traveling and then I came back to Brooklyn and I just started working on it and I felt like it didn't make sense if I just had these interviews. He's like, well, who is this person and how did I meet them? You know, so I just really wanted to flesh it out. And then I realized that if I'm telling a story, I need a protagonist. And as much as I wanted the focus of the podcast to be on other people, because these are going to, they tended to be people who might never be interviewed again. You know, they're just a cool taxi cab driver or someone who's awesome, who's working in a hostel, fell in love with somebody who doesn't speak her language. And, you know, these, these are people where their stories might never be shared. And I firmly believe that storytelling is a, is a form of immortality. And, you know, if I can make them a little bit immortal, because they're just so cool, then, you know, that's the most I could do. But I, I realized that they needed to be put into some type of a context. So I put them in the context of my journey and what I experienced through that. Well, I mean, I know that... So all these... The first season, the interviews were all done while you were on the road traveling. Um, does that mean <laughs> to keep it going, you're going to have to constantly travel or are you going to actually do some while you're at home in, in New York or something? Currently, all of mine are being done at home. But the goal is to have the third season be in Southeast Asia. Oh, uh, why there? And have you been before? Haven't been. Oh, and you're kidding. I know. Wow. I know. What am I doing with my life? Where are you going to go? I really want to go. I really want to go to Burma. Yeah, I haven't heard, been there yet. I've heard really, or Myanmar. Myanmar. And I, I mean, there's no place I won't go. I have the goal of going to every single country before I die. And with Western <laughs> medicine, what? That's a lot of countries, but you know, you might live. Yeah, to yeah, but like, I feel like with Western medicine, I'm gonna live to be 138, so I'm not <laughs> worried. Like, I eat a clove of garlic every morning. I've got a solid immune system. Like, it's it'll be a slow, long. Pro I'm not. I'm not in any rush. Well, we'll so... have the cure, but we just won't have the insurance. That's right. <laughs> oh, damn you, health and American health. Damn insurance. you. <laughs> well, that's exciting. So are you going to like base yourself there, like say in Thailand? Are you going to go to Chiang Mai with all the other uh, digital nomads? I know. I hear that that area has the best Wi-Fi in the world because all these entrepreneurs are like, I want to live by a beach in a bungalow in Thailand. So yeah. ever, like their internet over there is supposed to be amazing. I really haven't planned it out. I currently have a full-time job and I need to, f I'm, I'm already kind of massaging them towards the idea of letting me work remotely in Latin America. So I'm hoping that baby steps will get me to Vietnam. Okay. Well, <laughs> what kind of work are you doing that you could do it remotely? I am a hiring director and for a tutoring company and I also tutor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, okay, so let's get back to the podcast and let's get back to you. Uh, was was your family always travelers or do they think you're crazy? Oh, they've always known that I'm Different. the weird one, but they've never... <laughs> they never discouraged you. They never discouraged me. Well, to be fair, I come from a line of really weird and wild women. 
Right. And you were I'm acting, just, so they already knew you were a little off. They already knew. <laughs> I like came out to my parents last year as the storyteller. I like sat each of them down individually and I was like, Mom, I'm I'm a storyteller. Like this is what I this is what I am. And she was like, Adrian, where the fuck have you been? Like we know. Like <laughs> yeah. why are you telling us this? We have ears. Yeah. So my parents have just known who I am before I did. So and they're very cool liberal horticulturists in the Hudson Valley. They've always been very accepting of of my journeys and my adventures and they've never dissuaded me from from doing it, mainly because they're not paying for it. So. Exactly. That's huge. <laughs> I always tell people about this, you know, like when I left my job to do comedy full time and tour, uh people said, "Was that really hard?" It was like, "Wait, by the time I did it, I was already living on my own. Uh, I've never asked them for money. And as long as you don't ask them for money uh, you, and you're not living under their roof, you can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. You just don't, you know, you don't have to take any crap from anybody. If, if you take their money, you got to take the crap. So totally. if you can support yourself, then, you know, do what you want. Just don't be a drunk or a drug addict and uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be totally fine. Yeah. So they trust so, you to, you know, what, what town are they in? It's so yeah. They're in. Can I guess? Chatham. They're in Chatham, New York. Oh, I was gonna guess New Paltz or. Uh, oh. Up there was I close? Woodstock. Very close. New Paltz is like an hourish away. It's on okay. the other side of the river. I got still lovely. It's all bucolic trees. Oh, it's it's gorgeous. It's great. gorgeous. But it's funny because my mom is ironically more hen-like when I'm home. If I drive to Albany, she's like, text me when you get there. Who uh, are you going to be with? Of course. What time are you going to be home? And I'm like, Karen, I can't even again. I can't even tell you the things that I've done abroad alone at night. And well, I'm just going to Albany. Now, we can, now you can say it because here we are in the Travel Tales. Oh, my God. Give I know. I still. stories that uh, give me. Come on. Give me, give me the first time you really remember stepping out of like your comfort zone. Like in terms of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Hitchhiking. Oh, where Ugh. was that? Where was that? I love, love, love hitchhiking. Every day I hitchhiked, I was greatly rewarded by the universe. I started doing it. I think my first hitchhike was with three other girls that I went to college with. And we went from Berlin to Munich for Oktoberfest. So it was around this time, however many years ago. And it was, we split up. And we started racing each other. And this is before the age of, you know, we didn't have smartphones back then. We had regular flip phones, but we were, we couldn't really get in contact with them once we had split up from each other. So me and Gabby were in one car, Harley and Jess were in another, and we just kind of started, what's the word? Um... Racing? Relay racing. <laughs> well, back who, and forth. Who picked you up? And, okay, let me think, let me think. I mean, come A on. little bit of everyone. So the fun, okay, so. You're also in Germany, which is one of the most safe countries in the world. Right. So fun fact, if you are hitchhiking on the Autobahn, what you want to, so you can look on the license plates to see 
which state of origin or city of origin the car is. So we were looking for, it was like M-U-C for Munich. So that already allows you to know who to ask if they are going that direction. And honestly, being like four women, we are very innocuous looking. So we didn't pose any type of immediate threat. And so we, the best people to ask are businessmen because they're typically traveling alone in very nice cars and are driving obscenely fast. So well, you get the there quickly. I, you can stand on the Autobahn. I thought it was like, uh, there's no speed limit on the Autobahn. It's- there's no speed limit. So, well, yeah, you're going, you can, well, you're speeding through. I guess in my American perception, I'm, we're speeding. But yeah, there's no, there's no. Yeah, but you could stand on the side of it and hitchhike? Oh, no, no, no. So you have to stay at petrol stations or okay, gas stations. Okay, yeah, that was going to say. Yeah. Do you go to the, but you know what? No, there was one time in, I hitchhiked from Amsterdam to Eindhoven, which was a baby. Th- it was like only an hour and a half. Yeah. And we picked up someone off the side of the road. We picked up two people off the side of the road because they were uncomfortable with the person that they had previously been with. And we're like, please let us out. Like, we're good. We're fine. Oh. So, yeah, that was so amazing because this guy had picked me. So, Okay, so tangenting. So we make it... Let me finish one story. So we we made it to Oktoberfest. It was incredible. I You're drinking steins the size of your face oh, for there. Oh, three days. And poof, man, I will tell you, there was something about a man in a liter hose in that whew, never thought it would get me going. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but there was one time when I was hitchhiking from Amsterdam to Eindhoven where this guy picked me up he was from – this is my favorite story. He was originally from South Africa because the Dutch have a history there. Oh, they and, do. And we just kind of started chatting, and one thing led to another, and it was – we were just having a great conversation. You know, we were just having a really good back and forth, and he turns to me about halfway through the ride. He's like, do you like art? I was like, yeah, I like art. And he was like, well, my friend Eindhoven is like the Bushwick of of the Netherlands. And it's very industrial. And all of these factories are being turned into all these warehouses and old factories are being turned into artist residencies. And there was this design festival, architecture and design festival that was happening that weekend and he was like i have a bunch of friends who are doing it there's gonna be free food and wine everything like do you want to come and the stranger danger that i had been conditioned to believe you know perks up and is like don't continue hanging out with a stranger but i was already hitchhiking with him so i felt like i had nothing to lose like if he was gonna kill me it was already destined so so we end up going to this warehouse and I'm just experiencing some of the weirdest, coolest art I've ever seen. And there's all these, it's kind of cold. It's, I think it's November. So there's all these giant, very modern, cool bonfires happening everywhere. And everyone's just drinking glue vine. And, and I'm just chatting up with all of his friends and we're just having a phenomenal time. We're just like, as if I've known this person forever and and so then he is supposed to drop me off at 
my couch surfer's place that I'm supposed to stay at that night. Because obviously I do couch surfing if I hitchhike. So I... <laughs> is that required? You have to do the couch surfing? It's a prerequisite. Okay. Yes, it is. So I remember he drives me up to the couch surfer's place. And I just remember turning to him. His name was Rowan. I was like, Rowan, I don't really want to go. Like, I want to keep hanging out. And things were platonic the whole time, too. I got so, red flags all over this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Uh, so yeah, you're not uh, in it for anything? He's making his move now. He's do no. So he he's like, you know, you can stay at my couch. I can drop you off at the airport in the morning. No problem. And I was like, what are you ser really? And he was like, Yeah, yeah. So we go to his place, he gets me Indonesian food for mm -hmm. dinner, and we end up just chatting with his roommates until four in the morning. And it was just the most, like, the universe couldn't have put two better people together. And I never saw him again. You know, I've I've never seen it. But he was like, oh, I've wanted to go to India for so long. And what you're doing is really inspiring. So, Rowan, if you're out there, I hope you made it to India. So, at this time, you weren't uh, recording people. You, you weren't doing any recording. Right. Okay. I was not. And I was so... That was when I was backpacking throughout Europe and bits of Asia and Africa. And I was so disappointed by how poorly I had documented all of these wonderful people and conversations that I was happening, that 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 I was having, that that is what ended up inspiring the podcast because I'm not a blogger at heart. I've kind of trained myself to become a writer now because I found the way that I enjoy writing. But when I was younger, I fucking hated blogging and I just wasn't the rain word was not for me. So yeah. So the podcast just, it really stuck and I wanted to record all those conversations that I knew I would have again. So how's it going? I mean, are you building an audience? Are you happy with it? Oh man. So fun facts. If you interview strangers who are nobodies and you yourself are a nobody that means you're not gonna go anywhere so I you know I'm not an Anthony Bourdain yet so I don't have a name to just kind of put on something that's interesting so the promotion aspect has definitely been the hardest but at the same time my first season was such an experiment that I just wanted to see if I could create something of quality yeah but so now well, go ahead. Is the hustle, you know? Yeah, but you know, it's um, you do it for the love of doing it. If you're not gonna, if you don't love I it, really then, do. Then there's no point, you know. Oh, I think somebody told me only one percent of podcasts really make any money. So, oh, yeah. of all of them out there, so uh, you do it, you enjoy it, and uh, that's that's all that matters. Yeah, and if but things happen. It's it's good, and then you get on this massive podcast, and now people will know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, skyrocketing man. audience watch those numbers blow up baby Woo! oof, oof. Oh, I'll, I'll crunch them for you crazy. after this comes out he recorded Make it rain. Um, yeah I'm doing this in my uh, home studio with it no I'm kidding anyway so you went through there give me um, three of your favorite countries I know because nobody can pick one favorite places to go that you would go back to anytime I'm going to guess Mexico's one of them you are 100% correct. Mexico is one of them. Because you keep saying you're going to go back there. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know what it is. What, is, what is it? Is it... Um, 
I mean, there are certain parts of it. What uh, Mexico is a big place. Mexico is a big place. So from what I've experienced, I've really loved. First of all, the people are some of the most friendly and honest and hardworking and passionate people that I've ever met. You know, if you could say that a group of people has a personality, that's very much what I've experienced from that population. And But there's something about Mexico where I'm very art-driven and the whole city is just every single the whole city is art like yes there are murals and awesome street art everywhere and sculptures and stuff but every single house and building are just these beautiful vibrant colors that you don't see everywhere like even in the rest of Central America, it was pretty boring looking in comparison to Mexico that was just so vibrant and so consistent in their vibrancy. And I also am very, growing up in upstate New York, I love the feeling of being surrounded by trees. And Mexico City specifically is a city that's never seen a pair of pruners. It is wild and always growing. And the places where something's not growing, someone has put a potted plant there and there's just stoic cactuses and and huge old trees and it's just I don't know but I think at the end of the day there's just something so old about it because it's one of the first areas historically that has been cultivated in on this side of the planet and it just holds this energy that is unable to be replicated in other places that I've been to. And so old places, colorful places, and nature places are the ones that really get me going. So Prague is also on the top of that list as well, which is the first place that I went to ever. It I was 19 and I wanted to do a study abroad program and I didn't want to be basic and go to France or London. <laughs> I I really wanted to go and you know I've been to those places I get why they are wonderful and awesome places but I just wanted something different but wasn't so different I have Czech heritage so my advisor was like you should go to Prague it's stunning and it was the first time I'd ever left the country it was the first time I ever lived somewhere else and well you always remember your first time so oh, you always remember your gonna, first time. It's going to hit you harder oh, than any place. But, and, and of I course, still, it's a beautiful place. Ugh, I Did, weep when I am like about to get to Prague. I just, I love that city so much. And it was, it was so impactful because it was the first time that I felt my bubble burst where I just see, I just saw all of these lives that were coexisting with mine that I would have never interacted with if I hadn't left. And, not only that, I just got history. I really don't know how else to say that, but I've been such a history buff ever since because I finally had more context to these boring facts and statistics that were given in American public school. And it was the first time that I ever looked at a, well, we at learned, a castle. It yeah. was the first time I had ever been to a country 
or a city that was older than the country that I had come from. Right. Well, and well, yeah, everything's older than here. I mean, everything's <laughs> older much. than New York. That's very true. But yeah, I mean, everything that there was. <laughs> Rhode Island is older yeah, than New York, but there was things um, here. We just there's not much of it left. Yeah, that's the problem. That's very but true. The um, yeah, I mean, they always laugh overseas about how Americans are always amazed at the age of things. You know, they love castles. You know, like when was this built? Ooh, 12.05. Wow. So we're fascinated by it because nothing's old here. Totally. You know, the country's not that old and we still has time to change. You know, it's not, may not always be the same country. We still got a lot of time. It's all big experiment, you know? Totally. So we're, okay. So there you got Prague, Mexico. Give me one more. One more. I think another one. Another one that stands out is Chef Chow in Morocco. Oh, I that you like the third person in a row I've talked to to mention that place. I I still got to get to Morocco. Oof. But I think that one's a little different because the the first two, well, Prague I did independently, and I do prefer traveling alone. And Mexico, I was with a ex who i shouldn't oh, have been with here we go oh uh, here we go we now we start on the good stuff here <laughs> yeah our codependency brought us to mexico awesome. and you know but even after i i experienced mexico through the lens of a very hostile relationship <laughs> not a play on the liam neeson movie i did not mean to do that but even after I went back and was able to experience on my own, I still felt this connection to Mexico. But with Chef Shawin, I was able to travel with my best friend. And both of us, you know, blue is one of our is our favorite colors. So to just enjoy that with her was really special because I believe travel is the truest test of a relationship and her and I went through six countries in three weeks together, and we were sewn to each other's hip, and we never fought once. Wow, that's a good friend. Oh, God, she's still my fave. She's still my favorite human, number one human. <laughs> Whereas my ex, we landed in Mexico and broke up within three hours. So <laughs> That's a bad flight. Whew, we took separate flights. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, you just knew right then. Oh, Oh, we saw who we were. We finally saw each other. Yeah. Hey, so well, that's yeah, travel lifts yeah. the mask off a lot of people. Oh yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's why I think it's important to get out of your environment because you see things you don't normally yeah. see. So, so give me um, your one scariest moment where you thought, "I'm going to go home. I can't wait to get out of here. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it out of here. I don't know. Were you ever like in a bad flight? Was it a border situation? Were you arrested? A scary? Any scary late women traveling stories? Oh, God. Um, you don't want to know those ones, but... <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm just trying to think which one. Do you want the one where I got trapped? I almost got trapped in a tannery, or do you want the one where I was so almost sold in Turkey for a cigarettes and a pack of gum? Well, that sounds good. Let's go to there's Turkey, a, the cigarettes and a, a pack of gum. Really weird Albania situation. All right. So... I'm in Turkey. We've By the been way, in that's Istanbul. a low price. You should, you know, deserve better. <laughs> oh, well aware. So I'm in 
Istanbul with my friend Heather, who I met in Prague. And we have a couch surfer who is also hosting a New Yorker girl for the week. So all three of us end up hanging out, not out of like, oh, we have no one else to hang out with, but we all truly enjoy each other's company. So we tag this girl along and for the whole week, we're just having this awesome ladies time. And this was the first time I had ever been to a Middle Eastern country and who I did not wear a stitch of makeup. I didn't wear a bra and I've never been catcalled as much as I have been in Turkey. I was like, I don't need oh, yeah. to do anything and these men will just throw themselves at me. No, no, it was annoying. It was very, the harassment was a little too much. Yeah. So was this in Istanbul? This is in Istanbul. I don't know. Do we call that Middle East? I don't think it is. It's a Muslim country, but I don't think we call it's, it. I don't think it's considered it's, Middle East. It's technically Asia Europe. Minor. Well, it's it's the bridge of Europe. So to... there's a th there's one third of Istanbul that is technically on the geopolitical landmass of Europe. The yeah. rest of it over the Bosphorus is over the Bosphorus is on. Asia. The landmass of Asia. Sure. So it's Asia Minor. But, okay. but it was the... So you're getting catcalled. So we're getting catcalled. So that was just what we were experiencing that week, but we had no issues for the most part. So on our last night, it's pretty late. The place that we're staying at is kind of far away. So we have dinner, we've been walking around, and we just decide to sit by the Galta Tower because there's a lot of people that just hang out around there. People are eating corn and chestnuts, and it smells wonderful, and it's just nice to sit on a rock, and we just kind of doze off. And there's this guy, and he offers us some snacks, and... We're like, that's very nice. We take a snack. We share our snacks with him. And he keeps, he suddenly starts saying, you stay my house. And we're like, oh, no, thank you. We, we're okay. We have a place to stay. But he doesn't stop. He's, you stay my house. You stay my house. We're like, no, we're, we're okay. And it gets to a point where we are uncomfortable and we decide to mosey back to the train station. So we are walking up this hill towards the main strip, like the Fifth Avenue of Istanbul. And you have to walk up this big hill for it. And it's very poorly lit. And he follows us. And he's just walking behind us, like kind of intimidating us. And we are uncomfortable. And we're like, what is going on? So I start saying loudly in English, please leave us alone. Please leave us alone. So I can also take a temperature test as to who is understanding English at this point. And I see these two gentlemen who are walking in front of us. And one of them turns around and looks. And I go up to them and they're these two French dudes. And I was like, mm, hey, hate to ask, but can you just like stand next to us? Because... This guy is really freaking us out and we just need a male presence because women's autonomy is not taken seriously by some right. people in this country. And they're like, yeah, 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 no problem. And so as we're getting up to – so, okay, so then the guy who's been harassing us goes up to the Frenchman and starts bartering for us. 
and he's offering him gum and three cigarettes and I don't know, maybe some other snacks or whatever. And the French guys just kind of scoff it off and are like, no, like, please leave us alone. And this is all we're still walking up this hill. And all of a sudden, these line of a few other people come out and kind of start surrounding us. And I kind of push through them. And then there's another row of people. And I go up to the, and so I'm walking towards this other row of people and I'm like, are we surrounded right now? Like, what is going on? Like, this is, I'm just feeling the energy of the space and it's getting really heated and I'm getting really anxious. And then the people in the second line that I'm now closer to, one of them whips out a badge and says, I'm a police officer. Is everything okay? And I was like, this dude back here is harassing us and his friends. Please take care of it. So we just kind of, how do I want to say this? Like a school of fish, the police officer, the police officers kind of swim around me and my girlfriends and the two French guys. And they go up to the men who have been harassing us and we keep walking forward and they're held back. So I don't know what I would have been worth at the end of it. But um, that was definitely a scary moment. That was okay. You might have been worth a whole pack of cigarettes. I, you know what? I don't know how the price, the price of cigarettes are pretty expensive in New York. So <laughs> Turkish cigarettes. Ooh. So Turkish cigarettes, that could be, you know, it could be a Cuban cigar or something. I don't know uh, how much yeah, they could be. It was weird. I got a weird vibe off that place. It was, I know. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's hard to describe. I saw fights <laughs> in the street. Uh, I mean, I've been to soccer games around the world and that one was the weirdest, scariest, worst vibe. It was just, I mean, Istanbul is beautiful. I would never tell anybody not to go. Right. It was just a weird vibe on the street. You know, just, I don't know. I, oh, yeah. I can't speak for the rest of the country, but there's a different character of a place when you go there. But yeah. You, you didn't feel that in Morocco, though. So it's so interesting. One of my very close friends who is, she's Indian-Iranian. I had a great time in Morocco. Nobody tried to... Sell well, okay, there was... There was one time. There was only one time that we almost got scammed and got really bullied. But for the most part, everybody, all of the men who approached us were very hospitable. They were very chill. They didn't expect anything from us. And which was interesting because I I visited Turkey before Morocco and I heard that Morocco would be worse than Turkey. And I was like, oh, my God, nothing could be worse than Turkey. Like that was so intense. But Morocco was totally fine. Whereas I've had female friends who are not, you know, I'm very Aryan looking. So who are not Aryan looking and have had reverse experiences. So I don't know. Every experience is different. Okay. Where uh, your top three places you want to go real quick. We'll do a speed round here. That Ooh. you've never been. Want to go. Yeah. I hate the term bucket list, but. What's no, I get it. Iceland, India, New Zealand. Oh, all good choices. All mm-hmm. good choices. I can't speak for Iceland. I've never been, but I've been to the other ones. Nice. I recommend them both. Uh, okay, so your the your favorite thing to eat overseas? What's the what's the best food and what's the craziest thing you ever ate? Oh, like in the past? Yeah. Oh, okay. Craziest thing? 
Did you ever I accidentally eat, ate horse in Ireland. Horse? Really? I didn't know Yeah, that was an accident. What? I, I thought they only served it in France and a few other places. I didn't know Ireland they ate. Yeah, someone had a kebab and I was like, ooh, kebab. And I took a bite and then they told me that it was horse. And I was like, ugh, that's why it's so tough. It's very, very tough meat. Is it tough? So that was, I'm trying to think. And then alpaca and guinea pig in Peru, unfortunately. Oh, I had the guinea not pig, as, yeah. Not as cute to eat as to look at. Guinea pig is a lot of work for a little payoff. It really is. It really bones, is. It's like, yeah. I know, lots of tiny bones. Yeah, you give me your work. teeth. A lot of work. It's a part, tooth, it's a part toothpick kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so, and then, I mean, the best thing, can I tell a story? Yeah. So when I was studying abroad in Prague, I had a friend who was living in Florence and I'd never been to Italy, but as an American, Italy is just so promoted and it's so romantic and it's just everything that you want to do on a vacation. It's where most kids just want to go. So I was super excited because I got to stay with my friend James. So I he's staying in Florence and I get into Pisa into the airport around 11 I get to Florence by about midnight and the whole city is just lit up with this really beautiful orange hue from all the old antique lights and it's I'm I'm walking on this cobblestone that's older than the country that I'd come from and I'm, I'm watching all these other you know 16 year old American girls in high heels you know, wobbling around in it, drinking alcohol for the first time. And I was like, and there's just statues everywhere just because. And I was like, well, okay, like this is, this is Florence. And so my friend James picks me up and he's like, hey, are you hungry? And I was like, yeah, I could go for a little snack. So he brings me out to the bridge and we see all of these houses that are on the bridge that are all clustered together and they're lit up and they look like these jewelry boxes. And it's, you know, we can see the Medici castle and it's just stunning. It's just so stunning. And so we turn off the bridge and he takes me down an alley where if I wasn't such close friends with him, I would have thought I would getting I was getting my liver harvested. Sure. So we go to the end of this alleyway and at the end of it is this giant wooden door. And he takes with like these huge knockers on it. So he takes it and he hits the knocker three times and the door doesn't open but eye slits flip open and it's just these pair of eyes staring at us and james just goes dulce chocolate and the eyes blink and then the little eye door shuts we wait around for a second and then the door creaks open about three minutes later we just get this waft of butter from this door opening and an anonymous hand creeps out and gives us a paper bag, but kind of in the way that the, the onceler from the Lorax creeps out a hand. So, so we take this paper bag and he, my friend drops like two euros in and the hand goes away and, and we've got this warm bag that we then walk out to, to the bridge and we open it and again like this just like puff of butter and warm flour is just like smacking me in the face and we take these warm croissants and they're chocolate croissants but they're not penne au chocolat with one thin little strip of chocolate these bad boys they're stuffed with hot 
pudding like Nutella and it's just it, they're so warm and they're freshly made and it's just all the butter and flour and sugar and it's just the best it's the best pastry I've ever had it's just it's I can still taste it it's so good and I'll oh I need to find that Lorax in the middle I need to find the Onesler in the middle of Florence in order to get that again so that was the best food I, I've, I've equally had, even in that same trip, I accidentally ordered anchovy pasta and I didn't realize that I, I never, I didn't realize what I had done until it came out. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ask him to return it. And it was, again, the best pizza I'd ever had. And Florence is not known for its pizza. So well, Italy, it's hard to go wrong. Anything food wise. So hard. So <laughs> hard to go wrong. Well, so yeah. Oh, well, okay. Tell the people again where they can find your your show and your blog and everything else. Yeah, so you can find all of my episodes and travel writing on strangersabroadpodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram under strangersabroadpodcast. You can find me on Twitter under the same handle. And you can always email me at strangersabroadpodcast.gmail. Dot Gmail, not at gmail.com. At Gmail. Good God. It's 1130 at night fail, here. Fail. <laughs> we'll edit You're that so out. good until that one, until that last. <laughs> well, fine. yeah. So. Okay, go ahead. Strangers Abroad Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> so how do you think you've changed as a person, even in the small time you're doing the show and the places you've been? How how has it changed how you look at the world and how you look at America and yourself? Oh, so many. I don't think we have enough time to go well, into this. Okay, we'll start with... Well, the first thing I realized was the world is not as dangerous as it seems, especially for female travelers. I've often found that the world is more protective than predatory. And that as a solo female traveler, people understand what the worst can be for you. And I think that most of the world has more empathy than malice. And people tend to be curious about you and kind of look out for you. And I now do that same thing for other... I mean, I think that was instinctual. But now that I'm a little bit older and I see younger girls traveling around, I'm like, yeah, girl, get it. But I have my eye on them, you know, is to... I want to make sure that you're okay. So the world is more protective than predatory. I firmly believe that. And I also think that humans are so much more similar than different. But And I love the differences. I love the way that people shake their heads and how that has different meanings and how different colors have different meanings in different cultures. But at the end of the day, humans have so many fundamental common denominators that it's almost ridiculous that we fight over such, you know, asinine things like our skin color or our gender or sexual identity. So I find that humans are much more similar than different. And then about myself, because I was taken out of my environment, I was able to really see myself in a without any preconceived notions placed on top of me. And I was able to see what was integral to who I am. I'm a storyteller. I love being funny. And I love and I I'm my sense of empathy and compassion for the world has 
exponentially grown. But I also saw the parts of me that could soften. And I saw the parts that I could become more patient. And I think you can always become more empathetic and compassionate. And I could become a little bit more go with the flow. So I was just able to see, I was able to discern certain parts of myself. And I was just able to find myself as cliche as that kind of is. <laughs> well, that's a good answer. And you found yourself, do you like, are you liking what you found? I do like what I found. I kind of find that New York, and I'm curious if it is New York or if it's the job that I have, which is very stressful and I'm dealing with very, very high paying parents. Man, parents will just throw money at you if it has anything to do with their children. So, and I'm living in a city where people have more money than is fathomable. So I'm curious if I find that my patience is shorter in New York. I find that I'm actually not, I'm not always my best self in New York, but I'm so much more robust. And even if I'm not able to be the super nice person that I aspire to be, I actually know that I'm a hell of a lot tougher. And you do need to be tough in certain situations in New York and around the world. So I don't think I would ever take that away from my New York experience. So, yeah. Well, well, good. Don't get, uh, don't get too tough out there. I know. I know. I'm so sensitive. (laughs) Well, thank It was great. Uh, great. Uh, I'm glad you could do this. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. It was a pleasure meeting you. It was an honor to be on this. Oh, honor. Stop it. It was. Oh, it was great. It. I would God. listen to this when I was traveling. Oh, so like, really? To That's good. Be- yes. 1,000%. I remember being on this bus from Montenegro to Croatia. Oh, God. This is a while ago. No, yeah. I just remember you were you interviewed a female. I'm trying to think of the one, the specific story. It was It'll come to me once you hang oh, up the yeah, phone. Of course. Of course. So... But I appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out. And uh, did I reach out to you, or do you reach out to me? I reach out to you. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for bad. being like, hey, come on over. Yeah, no, was, you were great. And uh, next time I'm in New York, I'll have to, uh, if you're still there, you may not be there. Right. But let me know where in Mexico you end up, because I travel there a bit myself. So. Ooh, awesome. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I will let you know, I'm going to see if I can actually go to... Japan for New Year's, so I might do a layover in Los Angeles, so I'll hey, let you know. I don't know if I'll be here. I actually won't be. I'll be working on a cruise. <laughs> what? What are you I'm doing? Somewhere in the, doing stand-up in the Caribbean. That's cool. I'm actually, that's like one thing I'm flirting with the idea of doing, cause of doing stand-up comedy, because yeah. I do a lot oh. of live storytelling right now, but... Oof. Like the moth and everything? Yeah, stuff like that. All right. It's great. It's all it's all the same. It's all about you. <laughs> it's all the awesome. same. We found your favorite subject. Yep. All right. Well, Adrian, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Adrian Bain, everyone. <laughs>